If you have battled holding on to things, and maybe you're a Christian and you're like, yeah, I get it that God has forgiven me, but I have a really hard time letting go of some things in my life. Um, this is going to be a healing service for you. Um, and uh, I got a text, and it was a, it was a really cool week. I had a text from Francis Chan. Uh, who, how many of you guys know who Francis is? Francis Chan. So he texts me and he said, uh, hey, what are you doing for Good Friday? And I'm like, well, we're worshiping. And he goes, uh, what do you think about our church coming over to your church and us doing a combined service together and just worshiping the Lord that night? And I'm like, let me think about it. Yeah. Like it took that long. So Francis is going to come this Friday. Uh, we're going to have a meal. His church is going to come. These guys are amazing. And uh, he's going to preach to us. He says, you want to split the time? The preaching time, I'm like, nah, it's all good. You, you can go ahead and do your thing. So it's going to be a very powerful night. He, uh, I, I hung out with him for a while, and he, he opened his heart about what he's going to be speaking on. And guys, it's going, to, it's going to heal our souls. So be here Friday. It's going to be, again, a very, very special, special night. 6.30, bring a dish, and uh, we're going to see God do some powerful things that night. And, of course, Good Friday is, uh, I'm sorry, Easter Sunday is coming next Sunday, you guys. And if you would, come, guys. Come and bring someone and, and pray and, and do, do something weird. Go knock on your neighbor's door and be like, I'm about to freak you out, but do you want to come to Easter with me? Like, just do something amazing and stretch yourself and, and let's pack this place out and see God do some really powerful stuff. And then the Sunday after, you notice on your card, we're calling it Raise to Life Sunday, April 23rd. We're going to be baptizing. So if you're here and you haven't been baptized, I want to talk to you. I want to get to know you. I want to hear your story. And I want to I show you the beauty of baptism so you can join us on that Sunday as well. And if you want to be baptized, and even if you're kind of freaked out, I remember when I got baptized, it, it took me like eight weeks to finally put my name down because uh, I was scared half to death. We don't do the weird robe thing, so it's all good, okay? Uh, but we need you to sign up at the info desk if you want to be baptized. I'll contact you, and we'll walk you through all of that. Also, on Easter Sunday, we're having a breakfast downstairs, so it's just a full day. It's going to be a beautiful week as we enter into Holy Week, all right? All right, so you ready? It's Palm Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. Now, now, for some of you, you have no clue what that means, and that's all good, because I'm going to walk us through it, and I'm going to show us the beauty of Palm Sunday, and what we're doing this Sunday is we are beginning what we call Passion Week, and this is the Sunday, traditionally, uh, when Jesus Christ enters Jerusalem in the last week of his life. He enters Jerusalem. We're going to see it in a minute. Palm branches are cut. They're thrown down. He makes his way on that cult. He enters the city of Jerusalem, and he's going to that city, the city of Jerusalem, to finally be arrested, brought to the cross, crucified, Friday, Good Friday, and then he's raised from the dead, Easter Sunday. So this begins Holy Week. This begins the journey. And we have gatherings for all of these days. Good Friday's coming, Easter Sunday's coming, and I want to encourage you to take this journey with us. Um, if you're a Christian here, if you're not a Christian here, this could be a massive, massive, life-changing week for you if you'll take this journey with us. Because in each of these gatherings, God wants to do something specific in your life. I'm going to show you today that God wants to release you and liberate you into real freedom. That's what Palm Sunday is all about. And then Friday night, God is going to do something powerful with your past. He's going to crush it. He's going to take guilt, and he's going to wipe it away, and he's going to liberate you. Then Easter Sunday, if that's not enough, he's going to show you that he doesn't give second chances. He gives infinite chances for those who are in Christ. 
He's just going to keep resurrecting you. He's going to keep lifting you up in all your failure and using it and making you a stronger person. So it's going to be a healing and powerful, powerful week uh, this week. So go on this journey with us. But we start with Palm Sunday. And uh, if you've been in church long, maybe the Catholic church or evangelical church or Baptist church or whatever it is, if you grew up in church, we have these gatherings, we go to these services like Palm Sunday, and uh, oftentimes they're treated just as traditions, right? And like you're on your phone and it's like, wow, it's Palm Sunday again and here we go and I'm supposed to do this thing. Well, we need something real. We need Palm Sunday to touch us in the heart. We need, we need this day to do something transformative. We, we need it to have meaning and depth and power. We need to leave here and cross off the tradition and find Holy Spirit's strength through this day. So what is Palm Sunday? You know, what, what is this day? Well, if I could sum it up in, in, in one thought, Palm Sunday is all about freedom. It's all about Jesus going into that city. And I know a thousand things are happening and people are whacking down palm branches and, and people are crying out and kids are crying out and Jesus is like on this weird animal and there's, there's kind of a confusing scene. But if you could just start with this, it's all about freedom. Jesus is, is becoming bound and he's going to the cross so we can be free. And even if you're a Christian, even if you understand the gospel, like if you're here today and you're like, man, I feel like I'm in bondage. I, I don't feel free and I'm pursuing all of these things and trying to find life in them and they're not working. This is what you need. This is what I need. It's a story of freedom. And I, I don't know what you were taught about Jesus, but here's the ultimate truth of the gospel. When I say the gospel, when I talk about receiving Jesus as your Savior, realizing that all people are are distanced from God. They're, they're separated from God because of this, this thing we call sin. Those things we do that fall short of God's ways. And because we're distanced from God, we, we struggle finding life. Life is found with God. Not some rigid checklist. I'm talking about an adventurous, passionate, beautiful, life-altering journey with God. When he becomes your father and he bathes you in love and grace and, and gentle teaching and he gives you a, a community of, of broken people just like you to go on a journey with you in life. This is the gospel we're talking about. And if I could sum up what the Christian life is when you receive Christ as your savior, not by good things you do, but by believing in who Jesus is and what he did for you on the cross. Not by works, but of faith. Jesus came to make us free and to heal us. That's the gospel. Man, we need more and more of this Christian thing because we got to become more and more free and we got to heal more and more from this crazy world. All right, let me alter just a bit. How many of you guys saw Beauty and the Beast? Oh, come on now. You got to get out and see Beauty and the Beast. Now, if you're like, yeah, but there's that thing they put in there, let me show you where the gospel is in Beauty and the Beast. Let's just do it. It's Palm Sunday. This has everything to do with Beauty and the Beast, I'm sure of it. So if you're like, oh, I can't watch Beauty and the Beast because there's some controversial things in there, see the gospel in it. The gospel's in all our stories because humans are looking for a savior everywhere. You have, you have a man who was so full of pride, he became a beast. He was all about himself, and so he was cursed. You flowing with me? I'm talking about the gospel. He's cursed. He's in, he's in a beastly form, and he's told you can only be freed and become someone new if love touches you. If love crashes in and gives you a new heart, then you'll be released from the curse and become someone new. You'll become truly human. That's the gospel. I mean, it's woven right there. But the most amazing part is I'm watching Beauty and the Beast and trying not to cry. I'm glad it's dark in those theaters. 
The beast, as, uh, as love is beginning to break through between uh, the beast and Belle, the beast looks at her and, and he goes like this. Do you think you could be happy here? That's kind of strange, guys, because he's got her like locked in a castle. And he's like, as my prisoner, do you think like you could be happy here? She kind of looks at him and she goes like this. Can anyone be happy if, if they are not free? Can anyone be happy if they are not free? And I'm whipping out my phone and like, you know, putting that in my phone like, goodness, this is amazing. But guys, the question is, what is freedom? I mean, what is it to be free? We all want it. We all want to be liberated. We want our souls to dance, you know? And that, that was the thing that Francis was saying. He's like, on Friday, I want people's souls to dance with joy and freedom, forgiveness and healing and power. Yeah, give it up. Praise the Lord. That's what we want. But the, the crazy journey is, what does it look like to be free? I mean, if you've moved to San Francisco or you grew up here, freedom is the baseline narrative of our city. It's all about freedom here. And yet, if you walk down these streets, people aren't free. Uh, I can prove it because I was, I was walking out of a, a ritual coffee and I, I had a guy attack me. That's how I spent my Friday. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, it's totally fine. You know, you're supposed to be persecuted for your faith. It's all good. And uh, I was so full of Jesus and love, and I was sitting in that coffee shop and, like, just loving on people and talking to people. And I thought, this is too good to be true. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's on. Like, you know, not everyone wants us to be happy and Jesus and free. So, so I walk out that coffee shop, and there's this guy, and he's a broken man. I love him. I mean that. I love him. He lives on the streets, but there's, there's a look in his face. It breaks my heart. It's not, it, something's not right. He's maddened. It just breaks my heart. But, and I've been praying for him. I see him all the time, and I, I try to talk to him, but I keep my distance a little because I'm not a big guy. No amens right there, please. And so <laughs> I walk out that coffee shop, and he's right there. He's walking by like, really, Lord? Really? And I knew it was too late. Like he had a look in his face like he had lost all concept of reality, and there was just me in the way. And, you know, I, I duck my head real quick, and I just start walking like this. And he starts chasing me down, you guys. See, some of you big guys need to roll with me a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. So check this out. I'm zigzagging across. This has nothing to do with Palm Sunday here. But I'm zigzagging across Valencia trying to lose this guy in traffic. <laughs> if you saw it, you'd be like, that's not my pastor. I do not go to that church. <laughs> And he's swinging at me and he's chasing me. I'm not even kidding. And I'm like running. And the whole time, like, it's weird because I have this weird peace to me. Don't even ask. And, and I'm like, man, it's good to be in this city, like, in a spiritual war. This is crazy. And I'm running across Valencia and the fire marshal, he stops and he's calling the police. And it was, it was, it was madness. And then this OG, if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. Like, straight out of mission, is riding up on his bike. And he just goes, leave him alone. And I'm like, yeah, leave me alone. And that's why I love the mission. I'm repping the mission. And so he's, he, this, this, this guy, you know, breaks my heart, but this guy yells back at him. And, and this homeboy spins his bike around and just starts slowly riding at this guy who's trying to attack me. And it was amazing because the guy trying to attack me just straight up ran. And I'm just like, yes. Like, God's people are in this place, you know what I mean? 
And so my homeboy, he rolls by me, and I'm like, thank you, brother. And, you know, he just gives me the, like, this is my neighborhood, you know. And I'm like, it's, it's all good as long as we're cool. But freedom, freedom isn't being found in this city. And I don't mean to be rude or anything else. But what does freedom look like? How many of you guys were here in 67? It's all good. Okay. Uh, you remember the, the human being in 1967 uh, that kicked off the big chaotic party? Um, remember Jefferson Airplane? Yeah. Hope you're not still listening to that, but it's all good. Jesus loves you. Just kidding, just kidding. So Paul Katner of, of Jefferson Airplane in 1967, I'm talking about freedom here and what it looks like. He goes like this. We San Franciscans create an alternative reality. In other words, we found a way to be free. Looking back, we realize not even close. Not even close. And I want to say this with, with tremendous love. Nobody is truly free. What do I mean by that? Because that messes with the human psyche. Here's what I mean. We've all given something authority over us. It's determining our decisions. It probably brought you here. In the name of freedom, whatever we are using to try to feel free ultimately is ruling over us. So if you like career, you know, I just want to be free and I'm going to go do this thing over here. I'm going to do this career thing. Well, really, that thing has the power over you. Because the moment you stop pursuing that career is the moment you stop feeling free. Or if it's a person like, I just want to be free and, and I'm, I'm in this relationship. By the way, relationships are great. Career is great. But I'm in this relationship now and I'm finally going to find freedom. The problem is, it's really that relationship is the thing that's ruling over you now. You have to bow down to it to continually feel free. You see what I'm saying? Like nobody's truly free. So here's where I'm at in my little mind. I come to this conclusion. If none of us are truly free, well, life is really about finding the greatest thing to come under. I mean, if something's going to be over me, let me just find the most exotic, amazing, liberating, beautiful, protective, passionate, grace-filled thing in the world and put myself under that and feel amazing through it. Jesus shows that in Mark chapter 11. That's the whole narrative behind this thing that we call Palm Sunday. He's riding into the city saying, I am here to, yeah, be over you, but ultimately set you free as I'm over you and give you the greatest life ever. Amen. So if you have a Bible, go to Mark 11. You can go in the pew Bible in front of you, Mark 11. Look in the index. Go on your phone. If I say anything amazing, tweet it and put my name on it. But go to Mark 11. Let me spend a few minutes here just showing you Mark 11. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's throw up uh, Zechariah 9. We'll, we'll go there first. But you guys go to Mark 11. And let me give you the background here, guys. I'm going to do a little. Is everyone cool? You good out there? Okay, shake it out. I'm going to give you a little history lesson. Don't lose me. You need this. It's going to open up the Bible for you. You'll understand a lot. I'm going to give you a quick history lesson. Then we're going to go into how God wants to make us free. And we're going to leave here empowered. So what's going on in Mark 11? Well, Jesus Christ is entering the last week of his life, okay? He's been ministering. He's been, he's been going around uh, Galilee and different areas in the Middle East, and, and he's been healing people. He's the son of God. He's God come. And he's showing what it looks like when God 
crashes into our earth. Things are healed and things come to life. And so he's now in the last week of his life, and he has to be crucified. He has to, he has to be crucified. He has to pay the penalty for our sin to set us free. See, either I pay for my sin or, or I accept that Jesus paid for my sins. And if I accept that Jesus paid for my sins, then God says, come back to me. Be in a relationship with me. You believe, you accept that, come back to me. Know my love. If I reject that and I, I say, no, I, I don't believe in Jesus, then, then ultimately when I pass from this life, I stand before God and I have to answer for what I've done on this earth. I don't want to do that. I want to hide behind Jesus and his love and his, his perfect life. So, this is what Jesus is doing. He's going to the cross. He's going into the city of Jerusalem because it's in that city of Jerusalem. You've probably seen it on the news recently that he's going to be arrested. Then he's going to be carried outside of Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified on this hill. And so many, many years before this event, just flow with me here. Many years before Jesus walks into the city of Jerusalem, here is the game plan for God and humanity. God wants all humans all over this earth to know his love, to know him as a father. And so God chose this group of people called the Jews. And they were to be his people, and they were to go to the rest of the world and tell everybody about God and his goodness. That was the plan. Now we send missionaries to Israel. The whole thing got twisted. And it got messed up because the Jews rejected God's plan that there's a Savior you need to accept. It's Jesus Christ. They kept rejecting it. They kept rejecting God. And so as a way to, to wake them up, you know, it's like, a, it's like a child that won't obey and won't listen. So to, to wake them up, God sends these other countries to crash land into Israel and start wars and, and take these poor Jewish people into their countries, these foreign countries, and, and enslave them. And that's, that's what's going on as Jesus is in Jerusalem, the, the Romans, remember high school history, all that stuff? The Romans have sacked Israel. They have enslaved the Jewish people. And the whole, the whole message is God is saying, look, if you'll turn back to me, I'm trying to wake you up. Do I got your attention yet? Come back to my love. Accept me. I'm using this to wake you up. You won't listen. I'll, I'll wipe the whole thing clear. I'll, I'll free you if you come back to me. There's nothing else I can do. I, I got to wake you up. And because of, because of the rejection of God, nothing had changed but the country ruling over them. Just one country after another after another. But there was always this promise. There was always this beautiful promise for God, from God. And you can see it in Zechariah 9. It's kind of the, the backbone to, to Palm Sunday. While he's, he's allowing this nation, these nations to come in and, and kind of put the Jews under you know, this oppressive state, he's always telling them, but there's coming a day when the deliverer will come, Jesus Christ, your Savior. He's going to come, and if you accept him and what he did on the cross, I'll free you from this. I'll, I'll turn the whole thing around. So there's, there's always good news. Zechariah 9, verse 9, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. I know it's hard, but rejoice, Jewish people. Shout aloud in your pain, O daughter of Jerusalem. Jews, know that there's hope. Behold, your king is coming to you. You see it? He's coming, and he's going to free you. Righteous and having salvation is he. 
He's going to come. He's going to die on the cross so, so you can be saved, so your sins can be forgiven as you accept him as your Savior and you can have a new life with me. And how is he going to come? Look at this. Humble and mounted on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. You'll know him. You'll know it's him when he rides into the city sitting on a colt. You'll know it's him. The king has come to free you. And what will happen? He'll save you. He'll give you peace. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. I'll stop the wars. I'll heal you. And the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations. You'll become his people. And you'll speak to the world about him. His rule shall be from sea to sea. And from the rivers to the ends of the earth. So there was the promise and all this chaos. And these guys, in Mark 11 guys, they had been waiting a thousand years for the king to come and free them. You know, have you guys ever told your kids bedtime stories? You know, or whatever. Maybe you got a little sister, a brother, or a nephew, or whatever. That's the way it was to these poor Jewish people a long time ago. Their, their fathers and grandfathers, and, you know, before little kids went to bed, they would say, look, I know it's hard, and I know those Roman soldiers are right outside our house walking up and down those street, and it feels really icky, honey, but, but know that our king is coming one day. He's just going to show up, and we'll know him, because he's going to walk into the, the city, and he's going to get on a colt, and we're going we're gonna to see that it's our king, and he's going to free us. And so now pick up the scene in Mark chapter 11. Now it makes perfect sense. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, so here we go. We have this man, the miracle man. He's doing all these things, these supernatural things. And people are realizing it's him, it's him. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, so there he is. He's coming to Jerusalem. And these Jews would have understood like, oh, that's what the prophecy meant. Like the king would come and we'd know because he would enter Jerusalem. To Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples. So there he is, guys. And imagine it in your mind's eye. Like, there's Jesus, and there's a huge festival going on in Jerusalem. So there's tens of thousands of people there. And word is going out, like, the king's here. Like, the promised one is here, and he's going to free us. And so thousands of people are following Jesus. And imagine, you know, think Daly City, like, down towards Pacifica, those large green rolling hills. Imagine a hill like that as Jesus is climbing it and thousands are walking behind him thinking, this is it, a thousand years and this is it. He's, he's here and he's going to enter Jerusalem and he, he's going to destroy the Romans and he's going to wage a war, man. He's going to free us and blood is pumping and sweat is dripping and the sun is beaming down and we're singing and we're following him and up he goes for hours on that hill and he crests that hill. He gets to the top of the hill and we can see Jerusalem and all of its white buildings as the sun reflects off of it and there are the gates right there. And he's going to start walking down those gate, the, the hill and, and up the hill into Jerusalem. He's going to walk into those gates. We're hours from the war starting. We're hours from being freed of these pagan nations. And so as he gathers his people around him and says, we're going to start the ascent. We're going to go up the hill and we're going to enter into Jerusalem. Verse 2, I love this. So he grabs a couple of his guys and he goes, hey guys, come here. I need you to go into the village in front of you. So there's a village up ahead, guys. Like, this is Jesus talking. And immediately as you enter it, okay, look at me, guys. You see it? I want you to go to that town right when you go through the gates. As you enter it, you're going to find a colt, not a horse, 
and it's going to be tied. Now be careful because no one has ever sat on this horse. Now I'm pretty city, but from my understanding, like if you ride any type of donkey, colt, or horse that's not broken, you got problems. He goes like this. This is the thou shall not steal guy. He goes, untie it and bring it to me. Now, if I'm one of the two, I'm kind of sitting there like, number one, cool. This is kind of exciting. Like, we're going to go steal a horse for Jesus. But then you're thinking like, really? Like, this is kind of weird. And so these two guys, no doubt, you know, probably shuffle off like, did you get that? Like, like we're just going to go jack this horse. And... He's the Lord, so we're good, right? And yeah, yeah. And so, you know, they, they walk and they see the gate and, you know, you just got to bring the Bible to life. They walk into this gate, you know, and they're just kind of like looking around like, get it. Dude, I'm not getting it. You get it. No, it's all good. I'm watching. I'm watching. Remember the plan? You get it. I'm watching. <laughs> like following Jesus is awesome. Now, the Lord tells them in verse 3, if anyone says to you, what in the world do you think you're doing? <laughs> Why are you stealing that? I, I love the posture here. Just say the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. Like, easier for you, Jesus. So these guys are told, like, go in there, and if anybody sees you guys doing this, just tell them, ah, Jesus needs it. Grab it and go. Crazy plan. Uh, by the way, oftentimes that's what walking with Jesus feels like. Verse, verse 4, and they went out and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street. Sure enough, there it is. They walk in. It's getting late. It's, it's some mid-afternoon time. Sun's going down, shadows. They kind of creep in, and there it is. There, just like he said, there it is. And sure enough, they go over, end of verse 4, and they begin to untie it. <laughs> Sweating, nervous. Verse 5, and some of those standing there said, yeah, they said, guys, what do you think you're doing untying that colt? That's my horse. What are you doing? Like, good question. And they told them what Jesus had said. Like, uh, uh, yeah, 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 you know, I would be like throwing the reins to my buddy. Like, I didn't, he's got it, but yeah. And then, you know, the, the other guy goes, Jesus needs it. Like, man, I hope this one works. Jesus needs it. Those are the magic words, right? Jesus, the Lord needs it. And the guy goes, okay. And you're like looking at each other like, <laughs> you just said, okay, let's get out of here. You grab that colt and you take off. Verse 6, and they told them what Jesus had said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus here it is, up the hill, dragging the colt along, thousands behind Jesus. We come over that hill. People are throwing their cloaks on it, shouting that he's the king. Jesus gets up on this colt, and many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And I want you to key up on that, guys. People are cutting down leafy branches and putting them in the road. And it was a symbol of this. You're the king. You're over me. This palm branch represents me. I'm putting it down. You're walking over it. You're over me. But the crazy thing is that's not really what they were doing. They didn't want Jesus over them. They wanted Jesus to do something for them. 
They wanted Jesus to free them from Rome. They wanted Jesus to wage a war so they could be in control. Jesus doesn't play that game well. Verse 9, and those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna means save us. Save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Like they're shouting, thousands of people are singing and shouting, and they're, they're singing one of the psalms. And man, it's, it's a crazy scene, and dust is kicking up, and, and there he is riding on a donkey, the only one. Blessed is the coming kingdom of your father David. Hosanna in the highest. Man, blessed is the new kingdom that's about to crush Rome. We're going to be in charge. Hosanna, save us. But not save us from ourselves, guys. The cry wasn't save me from me, Christ. It was save me from Rome. Jesus knows that we all, guys, all of us, we need saving from ourselves more than anything. I'm saying that super compassionately to you. I love you. I'm I'm so happy you're here. But if you're like me, man, I need rescuing from the crazy things in my head. The thoughts, the frustrations, the idols, the grappling. I need to be free. And the only way I, I truly become free is by allowing, oddly enough, Jesus to rule. And because they wanted the wrong thing from Jesus, they wanted to use Jesus. Free us. From Rome, and Jesus is like, No, I came to die on the cross to free you from you. Here's what he does look at verse 11. This is, this is the biggest letdown in any story ever. Because the big symbol was that he was going to go into the temple, rally an army, and wage war. At least that's what the Jews thought against the Romans, and now the Jews would be the new superpower over the world. Boy, the power hungry nature of human beings. It's going on right now in Syria. Verse 11, so here it is, this climactic shouting, singing, he's here, the war's about to break out and start, and there he is, he's on the the horse, he gets off the horse, and he enters into Jerusalem, he goes into the temple, here we go, here's the sermon, here's the speech, right? Verse 11, and when he looked around at everything, he walks in the temple, he looks around, well, it's getting a little late. I'm tired. I'm going back to Bethany. Walks out of the temple. Thousands of people, no doubt, are watching him like, what just happened? (laughs) Quietly walks his way. Finds a place to crash at Mary Martha's. And the night is over. What just happened? Here's the message of Jesus. He's saying, I'm not here to free you in the way you want to be freed. I'm here to bring you under God's loving care so you can be truly freed. I'm not giving you power. I'm not giving you the things that are just going to become idols in your life. I'm coming to make God your all, the beautiful God, so you can know true life and true freedom. I'm, going, I'm coming here to be your greatest joy so you don't have to look at anything else to feel complete and free. I just want to be your all, Jesus says, and free you. And Jesus is always using things to tell stories. He, he's, so, he's so amazing as, as the ultimate storyteller. He says, look at the birds, look at, look at the grass. And he tells a story by riding this donkey into town. It's like, what, what's up with the donkey thing? And so to paint this picture, 
that Jesus doesn't want to come and free them from any army or anything else, but he wants to, to bring God over them so they can find true life and true freedom in living out his ways, which is true freedom. To paint this picture, Jesus uses, watch me now, guys, in unbroken colts. And by riding that unbroken colt, how many of you are country folk? I know we're in San Francisco, right? By riding in on an unbroken colt and taming it, it should have bucked him. It should have kicked him off. But he gets on that wild, young, restless, crazy beast. And it's subdued in gentleness and care and calmness. And Jesus is telling them a story. I came to tame you. I came to tame you of the wild pursuits. I came to tame you of the, the hurtful pursuits. I came, I came to be your all so you wouldn't need any of these things to feel complete ever again. Look at Mark 11 too. We'll just shoot back there really fast. And he said to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. It's an unbroken colt. It should have bucked. It should have kicked. Yes, but when Jesus comes over, he calms. He brings peace. Verse 7, and they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. Not a thing happened. As a matter of fact, that unbroken young wild colt probably felt the most peace it's ever felt in its existence because the Lord is over it. Don't we all struggle with this, guys? Do you know yesterday I had an awful day? The Friday when I got attacked was better than yesterday. Not sure what's going on. And it wasn't because anything happened. Like, things just happened in my head. I felt restless, and I felt, I, I wasn't content, and I just felt like this anxiousness, you know? Anybody with me on that? You just get the, like, what's happening to me right now? And I get, I'm like the cold. I just need Jesus over me. I just need him to put some peace in my life. Like, tame me right now, Lord. Ugh! And sure enough, it lasted all night, and I came in here, and I heard the band playing. And it was like the Holy Spirit just put this hush over me. It's like he said, John, I'm taming you right now. Trust me. Trust my love. Trust my ways. Be with me. Man, I just felt complete. I feel complete right now. We all struggle with this. We all want to live our lives a certain way, and it's the human journey. But so often it doesn't lead to peace. So, so guys, with all humility, we all look to put something over us with the hopes that it's going to bring us life, it's going to bring some type of completion, identity. We allow something to rule, and Jesus is like, look at the story, look at the donkey. I want to rule over you. It's going to be gorgeous. It'll be beautiful. And every time we put a king over us, every time we allow something to rule over us, these substitute kings do not love us. And I don't mean a spouse or anything. I'm not saying that. Created things are not designed to complete us. They can't sustain that, that pressure. And we all have the scars to prove it. So Jesus shows different scars. He says these scars will heal. They, they tell a different story. So let him confront you with his kingship today. Take that thing and just let him confront you. He's gentle. He's a gentle king. 
I believe with all my heart, he'll make you more than you ever dreamed. I mean, think about the the parallel account of Matthew 21 in in verse 5. He goes like this. Say to the daughter of Zion, the same thing, he's going into the city. Behold, your king is coming. What kind of king is this? What happen if, if I accept Jesus as my Savior? What will happen if I, I trust Jesus and let go of this, this pursuit that's killing me? Your king is coming to you humble. He's humble. He's gentle. He's not going to hurt us. He's going to heal us. We can trust his love. We can trust his ways. Kings don't ride into their capital cities riding on unbroken young donkeys. They ride on fearsome horses. But Jesus will not triumph over us through force or fear. He does not work that way. He wants to lead you through love and care. Whatever we're trying to find life, Palm Sunday is all about looking at that steed, that that donkey, and saying, man, what, what is this restlessness in me, and how can I let it go and stop trying to find life in it? And look to Jesus and be with him and be with his people and celebrate him and find true life. So I can let those things just be what they're supposed to be. 2 Corinthians 5.14. Here was Paul, an early church leader. Here was his life. Here was his testimony. For the love of Christ controls us. And I want God's love, I want Jesus' love to so be amazing to me. Like every day with all these thoughts and all these crazy things that we do, yet he still loves us and his love is relentless and it's pursuing and it's, it will not quit. It will hunt us down and just wrap us up and say, come back to me. For that love controls me. Because we have concluded this, man, that Jesus died for me. Like he died for me. He wants me that much. Therefore, I'm dying to some of these pursuits. I'm walking away from some of these pursuits, and I'm walking towards him. I want him to tame me. And by the way, he'll tame you in one way, and he will light you up and send you on fire a whole nother way. It says in verse 15, And he who died for all, that those who live, Jesus died for us, So that those who are saved may no longer live for these cheap pursuits. But that we may live for him who for our sake died and was raised. Come and tame us, Lord Jesus. Whatever these pursuits are, come and tame us. Come and calm us and show us that your ways bring peace and help us to let go and not buck. But allow you to be over us. Real love always wants the best for you. Maybe, it's, maybe this is a nerve-wracking thought to you. Real love always wants the best for you. Therefore, you can trust it because it's the love of Christ that wants to tame you. So I want this to be a life-changing moment for us. Let me ask you a question. I, I've searched my heart this week. What are you holding on to? I've got like 50 things. What are you holding on to? I got mine. I got my vices. I got my worries. I got the things I'm trying to do to feel better about my image and how people view me. And, you know, Jesus is just like, Donkey John, just chill. <laughs> just let me get over you. And just, just look at me. Just love me. You don't need those things. Let them go. What are you holding on to? Let, let this be the beginning of a new 
journey as we enter Holy Week. Bring it to him. And let it collide with his love. Trust him. And let that thing go. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray.